During this Lenten season, we're going to be focusing on the Psalms, and so for today we have Psalm 38. Normally I realize we usually just sing the Psalms and, and not even the entirety of the Psalms, so I'm going to read the entire thing here um, in, in a moment so we can get into, uh, to understand what David was, was referring to here. I remember um, my senior year at the seminary was the very last field trip I ever had, a bunch of mid twenty or in our 20s, mid-20s, a field trip, and we went to a prison to check out the prison ministry that was nearby, and we got to talk to a man who's actually in charge of the prison ministry that was there. He was an inmate himself. He had been in prison for over 25 years, and he told us that he was going to be there for the rest of his life. Um, One thing that really grabbed my attention about this man was that to me, looking at him, he looked to be around 60, 65 years old. The truth is, I was surprised when he told us he was only 45. Living life in prison weathered him. It just did. It was a hard life there. And, and the guilt, the daily guilt that he had to endure, the daily reminder of the sin that he committed 25 years ago was with him every single day. That guilt... That difficulty affected him emotionally, spiritually, and physically. And any doctor will tell you the same, that, that the, the, our own emotions, the stress, anxiety, and guilt in our lives doesn't just affect us in our head. It, it affects us spiritually, emotionally, and physically. That's why we see so many antidepressant pills, high blood pressure pills that are prescribed to people. It affects us in real, physical ways. And we see that happening as well to King David as he talks about his anxiety, his guilt for sin committed. Allow me to read this lesson, Psalm 38, and I just invite you to read along with me and just consider how how greatly this sin that he committed affected him. O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your wrath. For your arrows have pierced me, and your hand has come down upon me. Because of your wrath, there is no health in my body. My bones have no soundness because of my sin. My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and are loathsome because of my sinful folly. I am bowed down and brought very very low. All day long I go about mourning. My back is filled with searing pain. There is no health in my body. I am feeble and utterly crushed. I groan in anguish of heart. All my longings lie open before you, O Lord. My sign is not hidden from you. My heart pounds. My strength fails. My strength fails me. Even the light has gone from my eyes. My friends and companions avoid me because of my wounds. My neighbors stay far away. Those who seek my life set their traps. Those who would do harm... Those who would harm me talk of my ruin. All day long they plot deception. I am like a deaf man who cannot hear, like a mute who cannot open his mouth. I become like a man who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. I wait for you, O Lord. You will answer, O Lord my God. For I said, do not let them gloat or exalt themselves over me when my foot slips. For I am about to fall, and my pain is ever with me. I confess my iniquity. I am troubled by my sin. 
Many are those who are my vigorous enemies. Those who hate me without reason are numerous. Those who repay my good with evil slander me when I pursue what is good. O Lord, do not forsake me. Be not far from me, O my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. This is the word of our Lord. Now David was not, King David who wrote this psalm was not in prison when he wrote this, but it sounds like he was, doesn't it? Sounds like he was a prisoner, and, and the effects of dealing with the sin that he had committed, whatever sin it was, were, were emotional, spiritual, and even physical. We can see that reality in, in him, can't we? By the words that he writes there. We don't know exactly what sin it was that David was struggling with, and most, most people would guess that the sin that he was really struggling with, the guilt that bothered him daily, was his sin that he committed with Bathsheba when he killed her husband, Uriah, and took her as his own wife. And what we see in Scripture is when Nathan the prophet goes to confront King David about this sin, is we see God telling King David through the prophet Nathan the consequences of his sin. And this is what it says in in 2 Samuel chapter 12. It mentions the consequences of David's sin. It says, Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me and took the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your own. And later on, one of the, just a few verses later, we see that the son, his son, would, who was going to be born, would die. So God told him directly that these problems were going to come into his life as a direct consequence of the sin that he committed. His son would die, and as it says, the sword would never depart from your house. And we see how that happened later on in his life. Um, his own son, Absalom, rebelled, tried to take the throne from him. Absalom ended up being killed, his own son. Then later on in his life, even at the very end of his life, when David was on his deathbed, another one of his children, Adonijah, tried to take the throne as well before King Solomon could get it. There was this strife. That sword remained in his family until the rest of his life. And God tells him it's a consequence of your sin. He suffered. We can see from the psalm how he suffered because of the sin that he committed. And that suffering affected him emotionally, spiritually, and even physically. We need to take a moment to just consider sin and the consequences of sin in our lives. In this lesson, or in the Bible, we can see how God said specifically that David was going to suffer because of the sin that he committed. God told him through the prophet Nathan that that was the fact. The reality is, though, we do not know and we should not guess if something going on in our life is a consequence of some sin that we committed in the past. We just can't. Sometimes you can. Sometimes you can see it. If a person is in prison, they are suffering specifically because of a sin that they committed. That's what put them there. If a person is suffering because of an STD, that's there as a direct consequence of a sin that they committed. But when it comes to a sickness, when it comes to losing your job, we cannot guess that God is, that this is some consequence of the sin that we committed because God has not told us, and so we should not try to guess. Sometimes we suffer because of consequences of sin, and sometimes we suffer simply because we are sinners living in a sinful world. And when it comes to that, when we might say, Lord, why am I suffering? Because I didn't do anything to deserve the suffering that I'm going through. 
And I would say back to you, well, you are a sinner. We are sinners. King David says this in verse 14 of this psalm. I've become like a man who does not hear, whose mouth can offer no reply. Someone who is caught red-handed, who is obviously guilty, who is accused, says nothing. There's no excuse. There's no rebuttal. It's a silence that condemns him. In the end, though, what, what does it matter if we are suffering as a direct consequence of a sin that we committed or if we are simply suffering because we are sinners living in a sinful world? It doesn't really matter, does it? It's still pain and affliction. It's guilt. It's, it's suffering that affects us emotionally, spiritually, and physically, just like it did to King David and just like it did to that inmate in prison who was weathered, who had to deal with the stress of what he had done so many years earlier. And yet this psalm that we see here, Psalm 38, is a prayer of King David to his Lord, to a Lord, to a God who David knew he deserved punishment from his God for what he had done. This is what it says in verse 9. All my longings lie open before you, O Lord. My sign is not hidden from you. David understands that the Lord knows exactly what he has done, and he is guilty for what he had done in his life, and yet he runs to him. Isn't that unique? Isn't that strange? But I think we see the example best in children, especially young children. I see it in my youngest. That when they are guilty for something they did, when they know that they are guilty for something that they did, when they know that I know that they are guilty for what they did, what do they do? Oftentimes they come running back to me, crying, tears in their eyes, confess, and hug me. they hug me, and they blurt out every last thing that they did to confess it. Friends, this psalm is one of the seven penitential psalms, and it's here to remind us of our sins. It's here to remind us of the seriousness of our sin, but it's also here to remind us that we have a Heavenly Father to whom we can run when we are suffering under the guilt and pressure of these sins. We have a reminder that we have a God who is there to forgive us of each and every one of our sins. Look at the last two verses of this psalm. It says in verse 21, O Lord, do not forsake me. Be not far from me, O my God. Come quickly to help me, O Lord, my Savior. Do you know when this prayer was answered? Do not forsake me. Do not abandon me. When was that prayer answered? That was answered a thousand years later when Jesus would go to the cross. And you might remember similar words that Jesus shouted out from the cross. Similar, but not the same. What Jesus shouted out was, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what Jesus shouted out was not a prayer. It was a fact. God had forsaken him. God had abandoned him. And God abandoned his own son so that you could pray this prayer, so that David could pray this prayer. Do not forsake me. Do not abandon me. And he hasn't. He doesn't. sins are forgiven. Do we have to deal with the consequences of our sin? Yes. 
Do we have to deal with difficulties of being sinners, living in a sinful world? Yes. But do we have to deal with suffering? Suffering that's specifically for payment for sin? And the answer is no. That is a type of suffering that we will never have to experience because Jesus experienced it for us on the cross. The Apostle Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. What Paul is saying here is not some shallow pep talk for you to dig inside of yourself to find the strength to move on with life. It's not it at all. In fact, I, I was listening to song on the radio not too long ago, and, and for whatever reason, I actually started to listen to the words that were being sung there. And when you listen to a lot of the words that are on the radio of these songs, that they talk about some problem that happened in this person's life, and then an encouragement to dig inside yourself to overcome. Right? That's really the premise of most movies that are out there today too, isn't it? Overcome the difficulties in our life. But that's not what a Christian does. We do not find strength in ourselves. When we are weak, when we are broken down, when we are suffering from guilt, our strength comes from our God, from our Savior Jesus. King David says it this way, Come quickly to help me, O Lord my Savior. Come quickly to help me, O Lord my Savior. And that verse raises another point. Does he come quickly? Does our God come quickly? Does he take away your pain as quick as you want him to? No, right? It it lasts. Guilt sometimes is something we have to deal with for a while. The pain, the anxiety, the stress is something that we have to deal with. But yet our Lord does not leave us. King David, as he finishes up this psalm, you can tell that as the psalm ends, even though he finds comfort in a Savior who has forgiven his sins, you can tell that the pain is not completely gone yet. It's still there. It's still there for us too. King David says it this way, verse 15, I wait for you, O Lord. You will answer, O Lord my God. And so like King David, we have confidence that the Lord is there to forgive us of our sins. We have confidence that the Lord is there to catch us and to hold us when we are suffering. We have confidence that he will never abandon us. And we have confidence that someday, someday, all of our suffering will be completely gone. We will shed like a snake our sinful nature and all the suffering that we deal with as we enter into heaven. When we uh, talked with that inmate further, he, uh, he talked about, too, how he suffered daily because of the sin that he had committed years earlier. Um, and, but he also talked about how he would be freed someday. Not freed from prison, but simply freed from suffering. Freed from sin, which he already had. But freed from suffering completely. He was looking for that, forward to that day when he would be in heaven. And so do we. Amen. <laughs>